Hi, I'm Andy Simon. Welcome to On the Brink with Andy Simon. I am hoping you came today with a big open mind to meet Leslie Rasmussen. Leslie is a marvelous woman who's just written an award-winning book, After Happily Ever After. We're going to talk about it. But what we really want to talk about today are all the changes taking place in midlife for women, women everywhere. But this is really an interesting time for us because she's a new author and I have my new book out, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. So I'll tell you a little bit about Leslie and then I'll let her tell you about herself. Remember, our job is to help you see, feel, and think in new ways so you can get off the brink and soar. So if I'm going to do that, you need to listen carefully because she has gotten off the brink as well, hasn't she? And she's going to tell you how she's soaring. So it's an interesting time for us. Who is Leslie? She's an American novelist, essayist, and entrepreneur whose journey has taken her from comedy scriptwriting in Hollywood to launching and running her own nutrition practice to fiction writing under the auspices of the company she co-owns with her husband, Excitable Boy Middle Child, Inc. What a great name. She's also published original writing in major online magazines, including the Huffington Post, Maria Shriver, and She Knows. With the 2021 release of her debut novel, After Happily Ever After, Leslie has focused on finding the alignment between her book and women's challenges encompassing relationships, leadership, and navigating this crazy world of work and life and balance I'm not sure what that is or how we're going to get there, but I think that it's a great time for sharing. And I do think that's what it's all about. So I have read her great book, After Happily Ever After. It's a lovely read and I am enjoying it. And I want to talk to her a little bit about all the characters in there. How many of them are like her? But (laughs) Leslie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Andy, for having me. I so appreciate it. Share with our listeners, who is Leslie Rasmussen? What is your journey like? And that'll set the stage for this great book, but also about what's happening to women and how we can help them. Please, your story. Um, Well, first of all, I'm a born native of Los Angeles, and I'm still here. I graduated from UCLA with a bachelor's, and I left there and went on to work in the studios. And while I was there, I decided I wanted to write comedy, which was kind of naive, but I still kept on (laughs) reading everybody's stuff and watching everybody doing it and just thought, oh, I can do this. So I started writing comedy and as I was an assistant and I eventually sold my first script. And at that point, I um, quit my job. And decided, okay, I'm going to go at least freelance and then try to get jobs, which did work out, thank goodness. Um, And I was actually shepherded by a woman who I met on a show. And at the time, there weren't a lot of comedy writer women. And she was amazing. And she got me to her agent and she got me, helped me get my first script on her show, which was Major Dad. And um, so that, I did that for a long time and I loved every minute of it. But during all that time, I got married and I had kids. And while I, um, my second child, when I had him, I knew I could not keep doing these hours. I mean, I really went freelance mostly with my first. And so I decided that I would stop and I would take care of my kids. And then I was like, just doing that for a while. And then my second child went to kindergarten. At that point, I thought, oh, now I have all this time. Now what am I going to (laughs) do? So I decided, since knowing that the business had changed and I couldn't get back in, I decided to do another passion, which was nutrition. 
So I went back and got a master's degree. I became a nutritionist. I was a nutritionist for 10 years. During the end of the 10 years, I and I opened my own company and ran it, but I kept writing. And I wrote for Huffington Post, like you said, and Maria Shriver and some other online sources. And I was writing humorous personal essays about my husband, myself, my parents, and my kids. And thank God they were all good sports about it. So, <laughs> and I noticed that the comments were a lot of, oh my gosh, I relate to this, or my God, this is my father, this is whatever. And that made me so happy. And so towards the end, I started to think, you know what? I think I want to close my business. And I think I want to go back to writing, whatever that means. And I did not know at the time it was going to be a book because honestly, a book scared the heck out of me. <laughs> I mean, a 22 minute, you know, sitcom script is one thing, but a book was huge. So what I actually started out doing was I was going to write a nonfiction book. And I interviewed a ton of women and it was all anonymous online. And I got all these interviews back and I started writing a few chapters and I was writing their stories. And I started to realize this is their story. This is also similar to my story. And all these women had so much in common at a certain age. So I thought, well, I'm a fiction writer. I think I'm going to write fiction instead. And that made the most sense to me. So I wrote this novel. So you wrote this novel. It's so interesting. You were inspired by listening to their stories. What came out of it was the inspiration to write a novel of fiction around reality. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> it's an interesting process, isn't it? So I'll pause for one second because all of us have an origin myth. That's your origin myth, right? And it's, it's an interesting perception about how this book emerged because I'm going to have you talk about the book in a second. But my book, Rethink, came about because we wanted to provide women entrepreneurs with role models that they could see. And I, too, started to write. I had 50 interviews and I was kept going. And I started to write those stories until I read them to my husband. And he said to me, you know, Andy, you're, those women are smashing the myths of women in business. And I said, oh, that's a much better book. I went back and rewrote the book. <laughs> and I share that with you because... People who are listening, you want to write a book? It's not a straight line. <clears throat> it's a very iterative and creative process where you don't really know where it's going. <clears throat> you know it's on its way somewhere. But listen to the sounds around you because all of a sudden you're going to have that epiphany that goes, ah, and I went back and rewrote the book. And I said to my publisher, I'm going to rewrite the book. He said, oh, that's a better book. And I said, good. <clears throat> who knew? Because I never could have been there at the beginning until he had reacted to it. So as you started to write the book, tell the listeners a story in there. If that doesn't you know, diminish their reading, you'll love mm -hmm. to read. Um, because there are maybe a half a dozen key themes that come through that are important for women to pay attention to and to learn from, I think. Your thoughts? Yeah. And what you said is so true because I knew when I had my epiphany about what this book was going to be, I knew I wanted it to be a book where somebody read it and then said, oh my gosh, I relate to that. I'm in that stage or I might be in that stage very soon and I'm worried about being in that stage. So I wrote a book about a woman whose daughter is getting close to going off to college. She gave up her high power job and stayed home with her daughter and she has a long-term marriage. She's very in love with her husband, but they're having some issues, which is very normal after a certain amount of marriage. And it goes up and down, as everybody knows, who's in any kind of relationship. Yes. And she has aging parents. 
So she is in that sandwich generation. And she really wants to redefine herself because her daughter's going to leave. And she knows now she's going to have all this time in the world. And she really wants to start a journey. But all these things that are happening, her she's very close with her father. And her father is now going through a major medical thing. And she's dealing with that. But she's not. She's kind of in denial. And she's kind of trying to deal with it. At the same time, trying to deal with whatever reasons that's going on with her husband that she doesn't know, the audience knows, but she doesn't know. And she's trying to deal with that too and trying to communicate with him. And he, you know, he just doesn't want to communicate about it right now. So they have been going on for six months. She's been feeling pulled away and lonely. So she can't, she's having a hard time going through this journey because all these things are happening that are just overwhelming her. And I think that's a very normal thing. At a certain point in your life, you are in this sandwich generation. And even if you don't end up having children or aren't in a relationship, a lot of times you're mostly dealing with your aging parents. So there's something in there kind of for everybody. And so that's really what I wanted to do. And that was really how the book came to be. Well, I'm not going to tell them how it ends happily ever after. Um, but it is an interesting fast-paced story that people can begin to feel for themselves because there are a bunch of themes there. First of all, you know, um, uh, Margaret Mead's daughter, Catherine Bates, once said, you know, we have 30 more years to our lives that we had never planned on. Mm-hmm. You know, you hit that 50, 60 thing and you got 33 decades that are open. You're not going to college and you're not going to get married. You're not getting the house. You're not going to have the children. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And for women, particularly those who have stayed home to raise the kids, the um, anticipation of an empty nest is uh, really. <laughs> I, I have a friend who just moved into the ne- empty nest stage. Both of her, her kids, your part, went off to college. I won't tell you what she's done, but they are the kookiest, weirdest, wonderful thing that she forgot could have fun in the house. Yeah. And she and her husband went down to Brooklyn to go to an event uh, that they haven't done in many years now, all by themselves without worrying about anyone. Yeah. And, and the freedom but also the responsibility to oneself Mm -hmm. um, that you just can't um, wander around all day. This isn't, you you have the wonderful gift of a very healthy life now, or perhaps not, but you know that uh, the take each day is a gift and use it wisely, but how shall I do that? So many of the women who we coach come to us because they're stuck or stalled. And they've reached that plateau where like your character, um, they've had a career, most of ours come with a career and they hate what they're doing mm-hmm. and they're financially successful. They're accomplished and they're miserable. And so all kinds of things as you were writing it through, tell us about what it's like to write a novel. Did you just pour it out and write? Did you have a good editor? You know, what is the iterative process? Cause mine was not a straight line. Mine was not a straight line either. Um, I, in, television, I always wrote an outline and I always, you know, followed the outline if it worked with the story and all that kind of stuff. In this, because I was so nervous about it, I just started writing. I just started saying like, okay, I created Maggie and she's really a combo of so many people Uh and all those interviews. And I created her and I loved her. So I just started writing her story. I knew bits and pieces. I knew that I wanted to deal with aging parents because my father passed away five years ago. But at the time I started the novel, 
he was so excited and I, but he had a lot of health issues, not the same ones as in the book, but still. And so I was kind of like dealing with that. And so I sat down and I just wrote. And then I realized halfway through the book, I'm like, I don't know where this is going. And I, my character was kind of telling me, but I really didn't know from the middle to the end, which is really, everybody says the hardest part is in the middle. So I sat down and my husband's a writer and he kept saying to me, you can't just keep venting. You have to write an outline. So, okay. So I sat down and wrote the rest of the outline. It did change a little bit because Maggie changed as she went through. So it did change a little bit, but I did finally sit down and write an outline. Once I got the first draft done, I was in a writing workshop. So I was bringing in pages and getting notes and that kind of thing. And once I got the first draft done, I gave it to two writer friends. They gave me notes. I did a rewrite. And then I went to the 2018 Kauai Writers Conference. And at that conference, I took a workshop with Christina Baker-Klein, Kristen Hanna, and Alice Hoffman. And they talked a lot about revision. And I was just blown away. I took crazy notes. I went home and I revised it again. And at that point, I knew this is done. I mean, except for minor stuff. I knew it was done. So that's pretty much my journey to the writing of the book. Well, but in in some ways, you're doing that for the audience as well, because um, the stories become ownable and to the point where you can't really hear them. And, And you're not reading it with a fresh perspective and you own it to the point where you it's hard to let go of this or that oh, and yeah. I, I I had a great editor who I started with the first book I wrote took me four years the first book took a long time and then my publisher said oh and we'll have to rewrite it but I'll give you a great development editor so we'll make it go faster and I did I rewrote but we, we worked on it fast second time I said I tell you what I'll I'm ready for a new book but I want the editor at the beginning um, so that we're there along the whole journey. And yes. they don't write for you, but they help you write in a very healthy way. And they they talk to you about the story and where it's going and how it's going and what do you really want this to mean? And just like you and I are talking, they became a great friend. And uh, for my second book, exactly yes. that for that reason. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because there's only so much that each of us knows. And uh, writing a book is... Um, you know, people, I met someone earlier today who wrote nine books and I'm in awe. I'm not sure I'm going to write another book. Wow. Um, but <laughs> the books for me have to be inspirational. I have to have a purpose to them. There's a story there I want to share. Yes. And if there's no purpose to them, uh, there's no reason to write it. Um, on the other hand, once you get that aha moment like you had, you know, you you sat down to pour it out because you could see the story emerging. I'm curious about a couple of things. Um, the guy gal stories in there, um, uh, Mackie and Jim and Mike, I mean, all kinds of dynamics. I have a hunch it's based on some of the stories you might have heard, but but they're also uh, recurring themes and relationships. You want to talk about them a little bit? Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, 
and Soar Again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. Well, first of all, I can talk about it in the guise of also the title of the book, After Happily Ever After. So I looked at that as you have a childhood, which is her daughter, Gia, and she's raising her. So what happens after she leaves for college? It's after, not that she's not going to have the happily ever after, but her childhood was hopefully happy. So that's after happily ever after. There's also the relationship between Maggie and Jim. And they've been married a long time and they've also had a happy marriage, but there's issues. So what also happens after that relationship? And the parents, her parents, they also had a very happy marriage. And now it's after, happily ever after, after when you hit that point in your life where you're older and you're dealing with all these things with your spouse. And so I really liked the theme because, I mean, the title, because it really fit the theme of the book. And I won't give away the ending, but for me, I was, I didn't want to write a book that ties itself up in a little book because for me, reality is there's hope, but it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. Yeah. So that is why I did the ending that I did because I wanted the audience to realize, you know what, it doesn't mean everything, you know, I know in romance books, everything gets completely tied up and I get that and I get why. But I just think in a book that's based on a reality, I think it's better to kind of leave the audience either wondering or also deciding for themselves. I'm curious because I've been reading a great deal on the heroine's journey now instead of Mm -hmm. uh, um, Campbell's story about the hero's journey. And the global um, theme of recurring myths with you know, you have your character who has the challenges, who goes off on whatever that journey is to resolve it and then comes back heroic. And think of Odyssey um, and, and, and Odysseus. But um, our, we're, we're moving through the heroine's journey, which is exactly what you wrote. And it doesn't have the same curve to it, the same arch. And I don't know whether you reflected on it or not, but as I've been reading about the heroine and the woman's journey, so many of the things are exactly what you're talking about is a relationship with the parents. You know, if her mother calls her one more time, I could feel her throwing that cell phone out the window yeah. and, 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 and having to free herself from that, but not being able to. Not and finding her of- voice, really. That's what she's learning through this journey. And I, 
I like your saying, I don't believe that somebody says, I'm going to find my voice and they find it immediately. They go through a lot of ups and downs, especially if at the beginning, she really doesn't stand up for herself and say, I need to take care of myself. Okay. You do this, you do that. She sort of lets things happen or takes over um, in situations. And by the end, she realizes, no, the most important thing is my voice, really. Yes. Well, and that's a really big point because women are um, are put into boxes by others <clears throat> to a far greater degree than we think. And think of, you know, Maggie here, she was, you know, a child of her parents, and then she's a wife, and then she's the mother, and, and then she's a spouse, but they're all defined outside in, never mm-hmm. for her herself. Who am I? And what is my she role? She knew who she was years ago. When she had this job, she defined herself by the job and she knew who she was. Sounds like you. <laughs> um, to some degree, um, to, I, I was raised by two professional women. My grandmother was a professional. My mother was. My father was wonderful. But my learning came from watching them in the, the businesses that they were running. And with those as role models, my daughters are both professional happily married with great grandkids, but, you know, we play an interesting role in passing along the script. Since theater and life are much the same, it's the roles that we're playing. And Maggie had no role again until she could come out and re-script herself and play that new one. And the one she was playing wasn't bad. It was that it wasn't sufficient. And uh, it wasn't enough for her anymore. I mean, she kind of got involved with her kid's life. And then all of a sudden her kid's like independent. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm involved in your life. Now what do I do? Ironically. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm from my mom. I called her super mom because yes. she started out, you know, she raised, she had kids and she went to school then she became a substitute teacher. Then she went back to school and she became a therapist. And she always had dinner on the table. Always. Yes. Whether it was made and <laughs> my mother did too. Happened. You got it. Yeah. Right. And we all ate together. Yeah. I know. That is, it, it, they were super moms and they are, they are still in our minds, those super moms. But having said that, we're not bad um, because we've had, I've had a professional <laughs> career. You know, people talk about having time off, having a child. I had uh, three days and <laughs> I went back. There was no time off. Um, but but it is not a problem anymore uh, if you think of it as an opportunity to begin to grow and also to balance all these things. It's not that easy, but it also is possible. So now as you're thinking about post book, you know, as you and I were talking before our podcast, uh, books are catalysts for what comes next. They aren't the end. Uh, they are something that pushes us forward. And what is pushing you forward? Where are you going next? Um, Well, I just finished my second book. So right now I'm looking, I'm sending it out to agents. And again, that's a book that I heard stories and I knew it would be relatable to, it's again, it's women's fiction. And I knew it would be very relatable to women. And so I wrote that one. And I'm also doing a lot of like women, like I've done in bookstores things about panels with women, about women empowerment and women in midlife. And since I really changed careers basically three times, even though I was a writer at the beginning and a writer at the end, um, I changed different careers. And so we're talking a lot about not talking about midlife crisis because that's so negative. It sounds like there's something wrong with you that you want to make changes in in the middle of your life. Yeah. It's really about midlife empowerment and saying it's okay 
in the middle of my life, whether I stayed home with my kids, whether I didn't to say, like you said, I don't like my career. I don't care if I'm making a million dollars. I don't like my career. And, you know, you do have only a certain amount of years left. So why not do whatever you want to do? You're freer. So I've been talking a lot about that. And I think that's really important to do that. And I feel like with me, I'm not, I didn't have, you know, executive job. So I'm not some of these women that are like really high up and talking about women empowerment, which I think is fantastic. But I feel like I'm more like, you know, the mom who did all these things, but also, so I'm relatable in that way to somebody who didn't have that high powered executive job and wants to do something in midlife. And so that's what I've been talking about. That is really exciting to listen to you because your own personal journey like those other women you listen to, is a catalyst for helping others along the way. Remember, stories help us understand what we can do. Marion Edelman, the founder of the Children's Defense Fund, many years ago said, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And to some degree, you're role modeling for others coming along who are going to be facing the same kind of crisis because it's part of life. Here, all of a sudden, what was isn't, and I don't know what should be. And we hate uncertainty. We want to know, mm, what should I be doing? So it's interesting because I gave a talk last week to a group of women and two of them disturbed me a little bit. One of whom is a young woman and she's only three women on a big consulting firm project. The rest are all guys. And she basically had to tell her boss that she was planning on having a child and would it be okay. And that, yeah, and I, yeah, no, that's what I said. And the other woman has been working um, for her husband for her whole adult, you know, married life and wants to go off and do her own thing. And she's very talented as a photographer and she's finding it difficult to break away because even while she tries to, he pulls back and his dependence upon her is just um, oppressive. And so, and and what we're hearing is that it isn't any single story now. The women are beginning to articulate this, the tensions that are in their lives and how can we begin to free them from it so they can become the best they can be. So take away the guilt, because that's the biggest thing is guilt. Well, and that is a really interesting thing, because as mothers, we need to pass on to our offspring that you can be free. It's okay. And you can also take risks and maybe not succeed each time. And we've all done that. So this has been terrific. But let's see, we got to wrap up a little bit. One or two things you want our listeners to remember. Um, I would say, uh, first and foremost, look for your passion. Look for your passion and don't let anybody tell you that it's dumb or that you're never going to make it or you're too old, really. That's the thing that makes me crazy is when people say, oh, you know, I'm too old to try that. Try it. That's really the main thing that I want people to do is just to know that when you hit an age in life, it doesn't matter what else is going on. Take care of yourself and go after what you want. Yes. Why do people think they're too old? How interesting. I don't know, because everything's, I mean, I don't feel old at all, so I don't know. Well, I don't know. My father went to 100, so I figure we got, wow. I'm going to 120. Yes. And my family all goes to like 98. So I'm, Yes. So I, I do think not. if you stay healthy, then you got a lot of, besides, we don't know, but we do know that every day is a gift. So how do we live it with great you know, pleasure? Where can they find your book? And I, I'm hoping the future book too. Well, my book is sold everywhere books are sold. It's on Amazon. It's on Google and Apple. It's everywhere. Um, and you can order it from your bookstore if they don't have it. My website is www.offsley, uh, lesliearasmussen.com. 
I'm on Facebook and, and the book page is after happily ever after novel. And I'm on Instagram at Leslie R. Author. And she's got a great website. Well worth taking a look at. All kinds of cool stuff. It's been such a pleasure to share with you. Oh, it's been so nice talking to you, Andy. It's great fun. But for our listeners, as always, I thank you for coming to join On the Brink. It's um, my job to help you get off the brink. And as I bring people like Leslie here to share with you their journeys, remember that we live every day. It's a gift, but we're living our story. And so if that story in your mind is a good one, keep it. But if that story isn't making you happy, then we got to change it. And that's what we do. And I think that reading our books, but also working with us, whether it's as coaches in our group coaching, our self-guided program, we think your journey with Andy Simon are all designed to help you get off the brink and soar. And I think it's a great day to do that. So thanks for coming. Send us your ideas. So many folks come to us through all of the emails that we get from across the world. You have to have so-and-so on. And so we try. And that's how Leslie came. So it's great fun. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great day. Stay well. Stay safe. Bye-bye.